head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe podcast right now to support the podcast and sign up for our premium content and now here's the podcast graham mcdonald is an idiot sean sheehan of severemma.com he even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god this is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 250 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, a.k.a. Shawnee Podcasts, a.k.a. The Sleepy Man A.K.A. the pod gods. I don't know what I said. Andy Stevenson is with me today. Andy, we, it's like noon here. We were both up to like eight o'clock watching the fights. This is this. I feel like this is going to be like an old school great crack, absolutely dying, tired, sleep deprived, severe MMA podcast. How are you we're this gonna, morning? We're gonna come at you hot because we're absolutely fucking bollocks. <laughs> it's the only way to do it. It is the only um, way to do it. Coming at I feel like death. <laughs> You were on the fines as well last night for a while, weren't you? Yeah, I was out. I was at a thirtieth last night, so I was kind of. I saw some of the cage warriors fights. I was fucking an antisocial bastard in, in the corner of a pub, whipping my phone out, watching cage warriors, and everyone looking at me like I'm a freak. Um, but yeah, then I, I went home. Then about I don't know one o'clock, and it stopped drinking them. But Jesus, I'm fucking tired. Yeah. I thought we were getting these. I thought these uh, events were supposed to be getting earlier. No, no, not the main cards anyway. That, that actually reminds me of the uh, you know, the night Wonderboy fought Darren Till over in uh, over in Liverpool. It was actually the night of my thirtieth birthday, but my friend got married like the night before, so it was like you know the second day of the wedding. And yeah. uh, I was sitting there at a pub in Killarney. I was like trying to pull my phone up to get it up, and it just <laughs> wouldn't work. And it was obviously Wonderboy fighting, and people knew I wasn't going to be able to watch it or whatever. So all I could see was like my phone buzzing all the time. <laughs> it's a fucking robbery it's yeah, a robbery <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, was yeah. they, that was when they had the main event at like 6am as well didn't they local time no I don't know no, or was that no, was that the Bisping fight that, that was, was Bisping, Bisping fight. Yeah, 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 yeah. so yeah it was I, I've never I, like I attempted to do it that day but I don't think I've ever really gone out when I usually go I was like ah fuck it I'll catch you when I get back so but that's look that, that's the life of an MMA fan isn't it around here you that's it are everywhere as well. We didn't. We didn't choose the MMA life. The MMA life chose us. Fuck's sake. Well, I kind of <laughs> chose it, but like made a terrible decision and <laughs> should just never have done it. But now I'm stuck in here. Like I'm fucking stuck up. Yeah. Do you find that like even now nowadays people kind of look at you a bit weird when you're there just like watching fights in a pub or something? <laughs> like, well, I don't really do that that much. But the yeah. my, the weirdest thing for me is like if someone. Like, if I meet a relation of mine or something who's, like, follows me on Facebook or sees see some shit and they start talking to me about it, and then other, like, at, like, a family gathering or something, and then other people are like, oh, what's that old stuff? And I'm like, oh, no, not <laughs> is. That's, that's awfully barbaric, isn't it? <laughs> I hate talking about it. Is that the thing Conor McGregor does? Oh, <laughs> the Katie Taylor do that? What's the crack? <laughs> oh, God, just kill me. It's, like, that's worse a, that's than... A, that's a wonderful old lady, uh, old lady impression. <laughs> 
it's worse than fucking listening to Joe Rogan commenting about judging. But anyway, I'm sure we'll get into that. Uh, he was, um, he was, he was terrible, but also he was catching himself a few times. Yeah, last night, he, did, he did. Baby steps, baby steps. Yeah, might have been watching a few videos or something. I don't know. Like the one thing about it, John Ennick at one stage like said what the judging criteria is and said how a round should be do- judged, and he goes, "Nah, probably should be a 10 I was like, "Oh God, John, <laughs> why are you doing this?" To and then, as they show you, while Romero landing a fucking monstrous overhand yeah. left. Yeah, fuck it. I suppose we better uh, we better get into it. I was going to start with the Ioannis and Jacek uh, fight because I want to be positive and I need this positivity and and this beautiful Sunday morning. But we kind of have to start with the main event. It's, it it made itself unavoidable, and we we'll, we'll get into the the co-main event in, in a minute and wax lyrical about it and everything. But this like I was talking to uh, I was talking to someone last night. I, I, <laughs> I watched the fight with him, but between the co-main event and the main main event, and I was like, "Oh fuck this! We still have this fight to go. It's gonna be, you know, it's gonna be great after that. This this other fight after it." But then I was like, they were asking me how do they think it'll go or whatever. And I was like, "There is a possibility <laughs> that this could happen." And I think I said it. I don't know. I said in the podcast last week or in the the betting show, maybe or the Q and A. There was always the possibility that, that this was going to happen. That this fight was going to play out this way. Whenever you have someone like Ayoel Romero who you know, it hits really, really hard. There's the possibility that someone is not going to want to be <laughs> get hit by him. If you know what I mean? Like even back in the day, we would, you know, in a different sort of way. But the likes of Josh Koscheck fighting Paul Daly, just taking him down and pushing him against the cage for three rounds. These things have happened. You know, maybe not with complete avoidance in terms of striking but complete avoidance in terms of uh, of wrestling and things like that it's it's happened over and over and over throughout uh throughout the world of mma I, and i really think like watching this fight that was always a possibility but i think the fact that the madness of yuani and jacek versus zhang Li before it actually kind of forced them to say okay i need to like lower the heart rate here early we both need to come out like fucking lads in thailand who are waiting for bets to come in and we're going to fight for the last three rounds but it never happened. They just kind of stood there. And, like, it's very... I think it's very understandable what happened in the fight. I think it's very understandable that Yoel um, Romero tried to bite his time and tried to land loads of shots. And I think it's very understandable that Israel Adesanya didn't give him the opportunity to do that and was extremely defensive and true very, very little offense. It got better as the fight went on uh, from Israel Adesanya. But... <sighs> That fight, that fight was going to happen. Like them, them lads fought for themselves. I think, uh, as you should. They fought to to win in the way that they thought they could win. But that we're we, you know we're a paying public. The people uh, paying into the event uh, can can boo if they want if they don't like. It. And the people over in America paying the sixty quid or the people here saying up to six in the morning can. Uh, you know, voice their opinion about it. That's what happens when you're a, a prize fighter. But we're, we're, I saw a few people, a few hipsters last night going, "Oh, it was, you know, it was a, it was, it was a tactical uh, uh, chess match. It was a brilliant fight, and it w- was a chess match. But there's no way you can argue that was a brilliant fight, can you? No, definitely not. Like it was, it was a pretty boring fight. Um, I think it's one of those fights where, especially coming off the back of that um, insane Yun Jacek fight. Um, I think, well, like if you if you're just a casual fan, you see that fight, 
you're going to be pissed off. You're going to be like, like, what the hell's going on? Like, there's nobody mm-hmm. throwing it. And like, w- when you, I think you really kind of have to know the sport and know the two fighters. Like the first round, I was enthralled by it. Like, to be honest, and um, because I was so, I was just thinking, okay, okay, like Yoel's just waiting for that one big shot, one big shot. And Adesanya was just kind of, he's pawing him, like feeling him out, just throwing loads of feints and not, not really throwing many shots. And then when Yoel eventually did throw, probably like two and a half minutes into the round, he cracked him with a big shot. So like, I was kind of on the edge of my seat watching that at first, but then, that was really just the first round and when it continued on that way it's like okay like this is it, it kind of loses its appeal like at the first round you're like okay shit what's going to happen here like if Yoel throws he's going to land big here mm-hmm. and like you're on the edge of your seat because you know like it could change in a split second but then once like if a fight can't continue that way for five rounds and you just lose interest at that point at that point it's just kind of like alright come on lads like throw something um, I thought it was very weird like I thought Adesanya this is the thing right I mean Adesanya um, is an amazing striker and he's, he's, I mean, he's gotten to be champion, but it's also because he's very intelligent. Like he's not like the entire narrative going into this was, in theory, uh, Adesanya would be able to kind of pick him apart in the feed. But the big threat from Yoel is that just that big shot, and he can knock him out and, and, and flatline him at any second. And you know, like Israel Adesanya, he's going to know that as well. Like he's going to be thinking about that going in, so he's not just going to plod forward. Uh, that's why we saw the, the fight that we did, but. It was just very strange. It was it was a sh- it was a shit fight. Like it was it wasn't enjoyable. Um, it, it, as you said, like completely understandable the way they fought. Um, but I t- then it did, did. I thought it was ridiculous at the end. Like when kind of Yoel's kind of squaring up to him as, and like trying to throw down with ten seconds to go. Like if you want to fight, if if you want to fight that way and be very cautious and very t- uh, tactical in when you're going to throw, that's fine. All right, it's not going to create the most amazing fight in the world. It's not going to be that entertaining. But you're doing what you need to do to try and win. And both of them had an argument there to say that they did win the, the decision. I obviously need to go back and watch it, but don't don't try and like wait till the last 10 seconds and then to say oh come on let's throw down now and let's go at each other and then try and like square off after the bell that's the most pathetic thing i've ever seen like yeah. you've got 25 minutes in there to fight if that's your game plan to not and to be cagey that's fine that's grand but don't then try and like make it out like oh he was running the entire fight yoel romero losing his shit in the cage after when he just stood there not thrown for the majority of the fight like come on mm-hmm. you had your chance don't don't start bullshitting the fans now I couldn't agree more. I, I I could not agree more with that. I, you know, you I tweeted afterwards. Does Joel Romero realize he was also in the fight? Like it, <laughs> it's ridiculous. It was like he was doing Dana's job for him so that he wouldn't have to get a bollocking after. Exactly. Like if Israel Adesanya is running away from you, cut off the cage and throw shots at him. Find ways to wrestle him. Take him to the ground so he can't run away from you. And I'm not saying, I'm not one of these people who go, oh, why isn't it Israel Adesanya wrestling? Because, like, I, I, I thought it was, it was obviously a very, very close fight. I thought he probably should have won. And that was all with striking with almost zero wrestling. Yeah, with, with, you think Adesanya uh, or, no, or I, I, Romero? Romero won. Like, but if, yeah. if Romero was frustrated that he couldn't catch Adesanya, why not wrestle him? You know, yeah. why not cut off the cage? Use your skills. Like this is a this is a fight. You know, this is not one person sparring another person and one person coming there yeah. to fight the other person's fight. You're, there's two people fighting their own fight here. And I think I'm talking about completely Yoel Romero's side. And I'll talk about it easy in a second. But the fact that Yoel Romero came out afterwards and he was so mad that Adesanya was running away from him. And all, that's Adesanya's prerogative if he wants to do that if he wants to fight that way you have to deal with what he brings you're a 42 year old man with 18 MMA fights who's wrestling two Olympics I think you should know by now <laughs> by now it's everyone's not going to skip the Erlu like Rashad Evans said back in the day but I think like for for Adesanya 
Izzy was taking the centre of the cage a lot of the time so like it's not like it's not like Izzy was on the outside the majority of the fight kind of circling or 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 evading it was he was the one kind of pressing the action so it doesn't really make sense from that regard as well because if if anything Romero was the one that was going to evade the action I've never once watched a fight even you know even really really bad fights like this and thought, oh, this guy's running. I've never, ever thought it. I, you know, you go on Twitter and you see, oh, he's running, he's running, and the opponent said, but I never think, I'm, I was like, why is... I didn't is, think neither of them were running in this I, fight either. I, I didn't either, but I was like, why is, you know, why is he doing that movement? Every movement Adesanya did, it was understandable. He was trying to get away from the power of him and everything. But, yeah. like, for me, to, to talk for a second about the tactics of, of Adesanya, like, coming into this fight... We knew how Yoel Romero was going to fight. Everyone knew. And he went out and he fought exactly how anyone who's watched these old fights, unless you're one of these people who thinks, oh, uh, he needs to wrestle, 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 wrestle. But that's not realistic because he never does that. But so we know how he's going to fight. He's going to be... And maybe he didn't have half as much movement as maybe he normally has. But still, he's going to stand there in the pocket and he's going to look for big shots. That's how he fights. So... The only really unknown coming into this fight was how was Israel Ledesanya going to deal with it. Um, and I said coming in that if he deals with it in uh, an unbelievably good way, if he does what he says and he knocks out Joel Romero and makes it look violent, that this is going to elevate him to one of the best pound-for-pound fighters in the world. I, I, I truly believe that if he'd done that. Um, and what he did was... And, and you know, and I spoke as well about finding a way to do that. You know, finding a different way to do that because I don't think he has the ability to like pressure him for ten rounds like Robert mm-hmm. Whitaker didn't beat him that way. Um, but he didn't really find that way. I don't think he didn't find a way to dominate him like that. He didn't find a way to walk the walk like he talked the talk and say that he was going to knock him out. And if you're someone who kind of builds your gimmick on being this guy who walks the walk and talks the talk and really, really talks the talk. Who's the example? Obviously, Conor McGregor is the example. You need to be able to do it as well and produce it. Now, we talk about Israel Sanya, and I, I don't think I've said it for almost anyone uh, that they can become a star up like Conor McGregor. You know, lots of people have said it about the likes of Max Holloway and you know Volkanovski coming through and Brian Ortega. And I've never, you know, I think all of them can become great fighters and very, very good fighters and maybe champions for years and years and years or whatever. But I don't think anyone can become that huge star like McGregor has. But I, I. I said Adesanya could be, I think, after his last fight or whatever. But it all needs to come together and all needs to, to come right. So we're judging this on a very harsh level here. And I don't think last night was great for Adesanya. I don't think this week was great for Adesanya. I tweeted out before the fight. And we'll get into the, the fight and its intricacies and stuff again in a, in a minute and go through it round by round. But I think the fact that all week... We, like you all remember just made Adesanya I think look bad all week in the media and in the fight itself like because you all remember uh, you know he he's very engrossing his sincerity you know even if you don't like him or don't like the the way he he does things and things you know you you can't look at uh, you all remember and think he's lying you know this, this is a sincere man and everything he does he's just kind of a, a mad bastard like whereas Adesanya like he's a very you know he's a kind of a modern man you know he, he is the 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 cockiness of Conor McGregor rolled into like you know these modern kind of soccer players like Paul Pogba and all he's one of those kind of lads and when you're against someone so sincere as Joel Romero it just doesn't look as good I think against other people it look better and I think in press conferences and especially with young people I think it look very good but I think up against Joel Romero it didn't look good and then in the fight up against Joel Romero the style of which he fought look he fought the fight he needs but it, it didn't look good either so like and I'm not saying uh, Israel Adesanya can't become a huge star mm-hmm. still or he's not a good fighter I, I i'm not saying that at all but 
this was a kind of a backward step in that plight. What, what did you think? Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think that his stock didn't take... Um, I think it took a little bit of a hit. I think both of their stock took a little bit of a hit uh, last night. I mean, that, that, as you said, you kind of have to judge Israel Adesanya at this point uh, from a perspective of one of the biggest stars in the sport. And I thought it was a misstep in, in a number of ways. I thought on the mic after when he's kind of like... It it seemed like he was almost trying to convince himself that he won the fight, 100%. and he was kind of just just trying to save face a little bit and and talk a bit in the mic, and it was just kind of like mm, maybe just sit sit that one out. I mean, luckily he had Romero following up on the mic, who just made a complete fool of himself. Yeah. Um, but it was kind of a, it was a forgettable performance and forgettable night on the mic as well after for for both of them really. Mm-hmm. Um, Adesanya can still be a, a humongous star in the sport, but he need. Let's say, like his next fight, let's say he takes on Pedro Costa, that needs to be an exciting, exciting fight, and and he needs a finish almost to kind of regain that. That kind of maybe he's taking like half a step back here, but I mean, yeah, it's as you said, like when you're talking the talk and and you're you're kind of you're a really kind of cocky, quirky persona. You're gonna have th- that. That'll work great while you're winning, and like you'll kind of have the people who are on the fence with you. And, and while you're winning and, and actually backing up and, and knocking people out, they'll side with you. But as soon as you have a performance like this, and and you look a little bit off, or if it just doesn't match up, or like if mm-hmm. if it's not believable when when you're kind of speaking after, then people are gonna flip on you pretty quickly. Yeah, and I think the fact as well, you know, you hit the nail on the head there. I think he was he was kind of lucky afterwards. The old Romero talks over shit after after what he <laughs> said, but. When you're, you know, when your persona is kind of this no bullshit, but kind of, a, you know, a little bit of bullshit as well, but straight talking sort of thing. When you have a fight like that and you come out and you're like all cocky and you're like, look at his leg, look at I made him hurt and everything. It's like, yeah. all right, you like you kicked him with four leg kicks throughout the fight. Like, come on, just be yeah. like, you, in that situation, you need to, you need to be real. Like, like I, we'll get into this comment of it in a second, but I thought both of their interviews afterwards were absolutely fantastic. They did the exact opposite of the two lads in the main event. But yeah, yeah I just thought it was a complete, yeah. a complete another. I think the smart move would have been to just be like, look, guys, that, that was, was shit fight. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, yeah, I'm yeah. not impressed by this performance. Yeah. Um, and then just fucking go, just leave it, leave it at that. Yeah. Or I'll even just go, if you want to be, the, you know, the kind of the, the cockiness about it, just say, look, it was Joel Romero and I, I schooled him tactically yeah. over five rounds or whatever, but don't, you know, don't be giving it the big and like, yeah. like that. This, just... Yeah, and this is the thing, like, I think I tweeted out last night, the commentators were kind of, I think they, I can't remember what they said specifically, but they were talking about how, like, how Whitaker approached the Romero fight and how he put this amazing, exciting performance on. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, yeah, that's all well and good, but he also went 10 rounds with you know, Romero and, and arguably didn't win one or both of those fights, depending on what way you look at it or, or how you score it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's not a smart way to do it. Like, the, the way Israel Adesanya, if he can, if he can get the win, I, I think I scored uh, rounds one, two, and five to Romero, but if he can get in there, take as, as little damage as possible and get a win. That's what he should be doing. Like, that's the smart thing. Mm-hmm. Do not do not spend more than you need to in a lock cage with Yoel Romero taking yeah. huge shots. I agree. Um, yeah. So, look, it was just a bit bit of a forgettable one, really. Yeah, just to run through the fight pretty quickly. The first round, the first round was probably the easiest round to judge you could find this week because yeah. there was only three shots landed in the whole round, basically. Uh, uh, Israel Adesanya landed one, Yoel Romero landed two, but Yoel Romero landed the impactful shot in the round, the immediately impactful shot, and that's all you need to do. If you land one shot more than your opponent and it's immediately impactful, you win the round. So that's, this is probably the easiest round you could have possibly ever score. Uh, Yoel Romero came out, he literally stood there with his hands up 
in a completely defensive shell for two minutes. There wasn't a strike landed, I don't think, for three minutes. <laughs> and it hit him with that, that one shot and basically won the round. Uh, you know, almost almost nothing happened. Uh, in the second round, then, Yoel hit him with a, a big left again a, a little bit earlier this time. But Israel Adesanya was winning the whole round. But there was a late flurry from Yoel as well. And, uh, you know, Izzy had a left hand late. He missed the head kick. But... Uh, Yoel Romero I think won that round again I think you called it right there saying he won the first two rounds the immediately impactful shots when there's not that much else coming I, I think there was th- those were two rounds for uh, for Yoel Romero in the third Yoel Romero landed literally nothing like literally nothing so what, what else can you do but give the, yeah. the lad who landed like six uh, yeah. leg kicks and a few shots had some nice head kick or he had a head kick there I think it was a yeah. glancing one but yeah, even that was enough I thought it was interesting when the fourth round there was that eye poke and I was thinking about it was like if we had open scoring here and it was after yeah. the fourth round and they had gone to the judges uh, Yoel Romero would have won that round would have won that fight sorry because he'd won the first two rounds lost the third and the fourth round would have been a 10-10 because I think it was like 90 seconds two minutes in or something like that so it probably would have been a 10-10 so uh, Yoel Romero would have won it so if, maybe it would have been better off <laughs> Maybe that's a fucking plus fight for open scoring that that, that happens. But, but anyway, uh, <laughs> they got back fighting. Yoel Romero uh, got a, went for a takedown. He got it, but up immediately. So no point scored there. Leg kicks from Israel Adesanya. Yoel had a couple late, but uh, <coughs> I thought Israel won it as well. In the fifth round, in, I thought the fifth round was the closest round of all. Uh, Yoel had a hard left late on. Uh, and a couple of shots early, but I think Israel Adesanya's leg kicks were starting to add up here. He landed a good few of them. Yoel uh, had a good 90 seconds, and I thought that good 90 seconds was probably enough for Yoel, but, you know, either way, it's 48, 47, I think, was fine. That fifth round was very, very close, uh, so no complaints here. I don't think there's any, there's no robbery shot or anything, but it was just, you know, a horrendous fight. Uh, what would your rating be out of 10? Um... Sorry, we're talking about uh, writing for him. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Yoel um, Romero, Israel Adesanya. I, had, I actually didn't think about that one. What was it? it was, so it was, uh, sorry, it's to talk away there. So, okay, so we got t- 9 to 10, the greatest ever, 8 to 9, fight of the year. Yes. Oh, yeah, I sent you my, uh, I sent you my, yeah, so, uh, oh, Jesus, this is, mm-hmm. uh, uh, 1.7. Oh, that's a professional score, in fairness, that's a professional score. I went 1.9, um, I, I, like, I think it was at just about a terrible fight. I think it was. Yeah. Well, it, I guess it, it depends <laughs> how you look at it. Like, so, yeah. the first round, if if you not like, if you have a good understanding of of what's taking place and the reasons why there's not much action, the first round was interesting to me. Yeah. But then the, after after the first round, I lost interest in that because it's just like, all right, come on, like it's only it's only you're on the edge of your seat while there's gonna be some shots being thrown. And yeah. then, like it quickly uh, went from this could be a tactical Mickey Mouse game. Mickey Mickey Mouse is that cat and mouse game? Mickey Mouse, Mickey Mouse. <laughs> cat and mouse game to like tactical this, Donald Duck fighter. Exactly, it, it quickly went from that to fucking boring as shit. That you just knew yeah. that there was not nothing here for five rounds. So yeah, I, I think one point nine is fair. Although there still was that little bit, but anyway, let's. You know, you know what? what? Uh, uh, Yoel Romero could have done in that fight. Yeah, could have had a. Joshua Fabi in his corner. He, d- oh, he actually threw um he threw a rolling thunder on one set. Remember that? Like, what the fuck are you doing, Yoel? Yeah, look, this probably Yoel's last shot of the title uh, after the way that fought anyway. Uh, rematch. Get me prepared yeah. and take it for a while. Yeah. <laughs> no forget stand the bang. No forget stand the yeah. bang. Yeah. 
They don't know what no fight. Gladiators. That's terrible. Uh, terrible. Uh, <laughs> anyway, right, let's get to the Yuan and Jacky Shang Wei Li fight. What a fight this was. What, uh, before we get into what's your, while we're on ratings here, what's your rating for this fight? Um, my rating for this fight was we go nine point two. Profe- that's another professional score there as well. That's another. Prof- I went nine point one. And Ooh, close. The, the highest fight I've ever had is 9.3, I believe, Israel Adesanya versus uh, Kelvin. Kelvin Gastelum. The only reason, I, like, I was thinking 9.1, I, I think this... No knockdowns and stuff like that, really. It, the, no, the reason, I wouldn't mind that too much. I was I was thinking 9.4, 9.4, I was like, what? I need to kind of think about this in kind of the cold light of day. And thinking about it this morning, I think they, they, they both didn't fight... As no, actually, Wei Zhang didn't fight as well as maybe she could have, uh, and I think that took away from a little bit. Now, I, I'll, I'll explain why as we get into it, but I feel like it turned into Yoanni and Jacek's fight too much, and I still think Wei Zhang won, so fair play to her. But I feel like, and I, oh geez, I, I don't want to take away from her anything, but I feel like we're, we're judging this on literally this is the second greatest fight I've ever rated in like a year of doing this so this is a really really high bar so I'm looking at a really really high bar I just feel like it uh, tactically there was a little bit lacking from Zhang Weili to make it like to make her uh, like Yuan and Jacek if you were to rate her uh, um, uh, tactics and her uh, performance it'd be 10 out of 10 whereas uh, whereas Zhang Weili even though she won I think it'd probably be like 9.5 or something like that you know so it's uh, I think that's where I took it away so 9.1 so it's still the, the second highest I've ever read but anyway let's get into the fight and talk about it a little bit uh, le- uh, let me just quickly run through the fight <laughs> first of all before we maybe discuss the tactics and stuff of it in the first round Yuani and JJ came out like a fucking train she looked very very good early throwing big shots right down through the middle but you could see I think that Zhang Weili's power was going to be a little bit uh, too much for in the midpoint of that round it was all straight shots and a few leg kicks as well from both of my thought um bottom landing great leg kicks especially joanna but there was like no hooks landed at all uh in in that first round and you could nearly say the same for the second round i thought Zhang won the first two rounds in the second round there was lots of exchanges early uh yang tried for a a, a takedown didn't manage to get it joanna got into the clinch but it was a stalemate there which i think was good for Zhang because i thought that might be an area where uh, Yuani and Jacek might uh, might dominate, but she didn't. Uh, Yuani was hurt with a bad with a right hand at one stage, and Zhang was hurt late as well with that head kick. But in in the tur- so close round again, but I, I think Zhang just about won it, uh, even though that you know that head kick late, you could argue that way. And the third, Yuani and Jacek came out as a southpaw for part of the round. Uh, she landed a hard left hand. It looked like um, Zhang Weili was getting tired, uh, but she did land a big right hand at one stage, and we started. Uh, Started to see the swelling come through in Yuan and Jacek's head here, but Yuan still won the round. Uh, in the fourth, I thought Zhang did well early, uh, but Yuan had a good two, two and a half minute stretch in the middle, and Zhang came on late again. But I think it was enough for uh, for Yuan and Jacek to win the round. And in the fifth, Zhang came out. This is what champions are made of. She landed the harder strikes. I thought she landed the better strikes. I believe the the strike stat uh, strike stats were even, but Yuan definitely landed the harder strikes, uh, and she was able to to close the show and, and win the the fifth round close again. But I think Zhang did it. But 
just an epic like I don't think there's any question about it it's the greatest women's MMA fight of all time just an absolutely fantastic fight I know we had that fantastic you know Cyborg Amanda Nunes 90 seconds of, of insanity which was absolutely fantastic as well and we've you know going back in the day we had the, the fantastic Julie Kedzie fight and you know there's there's been a good few fights now <coughs> through the years but this one is just in terms of excitement in terms of technical and tactical ability this was when you even leave the women's MMA a bit of it from aside, and and as I did with my my scoring there, this was one of the the best fights in a long time in the UFC, wasn't it? Hundred percent agree. It was absolutely incredible. I was on the edge of my seat the entire time, just freaking out. I was kind of taking some notes at first of all, being like, okay, this is uh, what Joanna lands a shot here, big right hand for Wiley, whatever. And after about the second round, I just gave up. I was like, this is I can't even keep up with the pace of this. The shots that were landing, it was absolutely incredible. As you said, take away, take that women's aspect out of this. This is one of the fights, the best fights you'll ever see. Like it was the, the heart and the grit and the determination shown by each of these women was absolutely incredible. Uh, Joanna came out looking like Predator uh, from her corner with that massive hematoma <laughs> on her forehead. <laughs> like she looked literally like Wendy Zhang literally changed what Joanna and Jacek looked like. I saw some photos after, like before and after, like it was insane. And just, it kind of the first few rounds it kind of looked like Zhang's power was kind of the deciding factor here and it was getting maybe kind of pushing a little bit away from Joanna um, I, I, didn't, I didn't really know I didn't score the fight at all because it was just uh, it was too it was too frantic I couldn't it was one of those ones where I was like right here I'm just going to need to watch this like in slow motion with uh, with no sound or commentary on it's at a later point but mm-hmm. it was absolutely incredible I thought that um, kind of one of the things that we talked about last week on the podcast was the, the clinch and kind of how we saw we saw Zhang destroy um, Jessica Andrade in the clinch with those knees and, yeah. and that was going to really be the deciding factor in the fight for me and it really it turned out like like kind of Zhang was landing with more power Joanna was kind of maybe landing with more more volume and, and accuracy and like she was putting together some really nice combinations and I, I loved the way she was kind of finishing off her combos with those leg kicks because mm-hmm. I thought that they did really well to stifle um, Whaley's movement but once it got to the clinch I was very impressed with uh, how Joanna did she like I would say that Zhang is probably the the stronger fighter physically, mm-hmm. but Joanna just would use her technique and, and and when she got pushed against the cage, she immediately got her underhooks, kind of turned around and, and disengaged. Then so, um, I thought that was a big moment in the fight. To if, if she had lost that battle, she was kind of getting not outstruck on the feet. She was getting outstruck at times, but but more kind of just to on the receiving end of the harder shot. So, um, once she kind of dictated that that clinch and was able to kind of separate and, and stay at distance she was then able to kind of open up and, and when she was kind of flowy I guess you could, could say like popping one two a job one two and then kind of finishing off that leg kick that's when she was in the ascendancy in the fight but but uh, Zhang is just so so powerful and, and the, the shots she was landing I think were a little bit more they had a little bit more pop in them and, and even though she wasn't maybe landing as, as frequent as as Yun Jacek um, I do think she was landing more damage a lot of the time um, but it was such a close fight and I've not like I wouldn't have been unhappy either way if, if either woman had won or lost. So um, I think you just, you got to run that back though. I think like pay, pay them a fuckload of money. Don't fight for a year and just, just run it back because I'd much rather see a rematch there than, than any other fight in that division really. Yeah, I, I do. I definitely want to rematch. Joanna has, you know, in, in, I think in a call night today as well in a couple of weeks, we'll think about the, the fights Joanna has lost and things and, you know, maybe we shouldn't do that actually because I, wanted, I really want to see this fight again. Uh-huh. But I, I thought the key maybe to, to why, maybe not why this fight was great, but why it stood out for me thinking about it afterwards was this fight, for five rounds, this fight was Joanna and Jacek's fight. You know, 
this was yeah. the way you Yoanni and Jacek would have wanted the fight to go. And Zhang Weili won. That if that doesn't tell you how good Zhang Weili is, nothing ever will. Because we, you know, sometimes we do forget. And you know, Yoanni and Jacek, I think this week by by me and by a lot or lots of other people has actually been criminally underrated for how good she is. You know, mm. Yoanni and Jacek has only lost to the to the very very best. You know, Rosanam Yunus, Valentina Shashinko. She's only lost to really really good people. Um, and she's a fantastic fighter. And especially when you get into like a Mai Tai fight with her where you're not really cutting off the cage. As you mentioned there, you know, her circling around. Zhang was kind of letting her circle around and then going toe-to-toe with her and exchanges in the middle of the cage. And, you know, Yang won that fight. But Yin Jacek's chin and her forehead <laughs> and her ability to take shots is just unbelievable. You know, I, I thought coming into this fight, after looking at back at the the Rosenham Yunus fight, that you know Zhang has I think Zhang is a, a significantly more powerful striker than Rosenham Yunus and a little bit more dynamic as well. Now I don't think she was as dynamic as maybe she she could have been, um, or maybe she normally would be. I think the fact that, you know, the coronavirus absolutely destroyed her preparations because she had to go to, like, Thailand for a couple of weeks and she had to go somewhere else and then come to the the, uh, the US and get her visa and everything. Like, it absolutely disrupted her preparation. I don't think she looked as, like, physically fucking built as she normally does. She, I don't know, she looked great. I'm not saying she looked bad or anything, but she normally looks, like significantly better i think i think this was a she had a horrendous preparation for this and i maybe i think it played into a little bit and she still won that's a, that you know that's how good she is but in jacek came in there and you know i, I spoke to to phil daru her um her kind of strength and conditioning coach uh a while back and usually when i like i'm no expert in that or anything so i asked a couple of my friends about it about what i should ask him about different things and i asked him everyone who kind of knows about that who listened to that podcast afterwards they all kind of wax lyrical about him. It's like, this guy knows what he's doing. And he obviously does. Because that the way cut for the Rosenham Yunus fight mustn't have been great. Like, I, I know people say that a lot. I got knocked out because of the way cut and all. And, you know, she didn't. She got knocked out because of Yoel. Or because of Yoel. Rosenham Yunus. But she definitely came into this fight better prepared. She made that weight easier. She looked like she could definitely take better, harder shots in this fight than she could in that one. And, like... You have to respect that from Yoni and Jacek as well. She's someone like you wanna talks a lot of a lot of shit in terms of like, you know, maybe maybe a little bit delusional at times in terms of where her career maybe has gone. Yeah. But I think maybe that's just for the sake of talking. I think, I think, I think you're gonna have to be. You yeah. have to be that way, though, don't you? Like, if you look at any of the elite fighters, mm-hmm. like the, the champion level fighters, they're all a little bit delusional to a certain yeah, degree. Yeah. Um, and it's just you just see it more often with some in the media than, than others. Um, and you know, hats off to her the fact that she does kind of say like she's so confident and, and talks a lot of shit. And nine times out of ten, she'll back it up. And look, she hasn't she hasn't been necessarily winning a lot lately. I mean, she's. I don't know what probably the last what six fights she's probably like three and three or something like that is it, mm-hmm. um but like she's absolutely incredible regardless like no matter what what comes in and this was the biggest test of of Zhang's career to date like I, I was kind of thinking like when it was going at that fourth round it was like all right now we're gonna see like we're in a bloody war here and we're going into championship championship rounds and you're facing Yuani and Jacek this is what what we we'll see this would be the making of a person and and we'll really show the true colors and I think yeah Yuani just need, needs a lot of credit here I think that I I, I guess I. Who would you favor in a rematch? Like I don't know how. I definitely favor uh, Zhang Weili. Yeah, yeah. I, I think she'd. Uh, I think she'd win more clearly in the second match. Yeah. Just, just because think, of the way she prepared. Like, uh, 
Yeah, I think do, do people kind of underestimate Joanna's chin though? Like she, the number of shots she took was insane yeah. there, and I think a lot of people thought, oh, once once Zhang kind of lands a, a big a big shot that she'll put her down, and she ate every shot and, and never really looked like she was. I mean, she at times she looked like she was a little bit rocked, but the same could be said for for Weili Zhang. Mm-hmm. That that's the one big issue with analyzing MMA fights. You know, did did we underestimate Joanna and Jacek's chin? Yeah, but we did that because of yeah. us seeing Joanna and Jacek get knocked out by Rosemary Yunus. You know, yeah. it's because she did change something in the gym or her preparations. Or whatever. We don't know that. We don't know yeah. if that's true or not. You you can say it, but how many times other people have said it and still got knocked out? Like it's just, you know, it's, it's one yeah. of those things that we never you'd, know. You'd wonder, about. like it, mm-hmm. these things. I know, like every fighter has an excuse, no matter even the the, the best, the most predictable thing you can you can think of in MMA is is an MMA fighter losing a fight, saying I won't make any excuses, and then going going. On yeah. to make it more excuses, <laughs> but I mean, Joanna did kind of speak about like her personal life. I think she went through a breakup with her fiance and stuff, and like I mean, and then the kind of the terrible weight cuts and change of managements and all this type of stuff previously. So, I mean, maybe it's not the deciding factor, but those things do have an effect on you, especially mentally, and and, mm-hmm. and someone as um, who kind of relies on such like mental toughness and and confidence as Joanna and Jacek, then it can have an effect, but. Um, I'm just very excited about the women's 115 division. I think it's it's one of the best divisions in the UFC, yeah, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and there's so like there's so much you can do now at the top. Uh, like who Rose is obviously going to have to come back. Like who's she going to face? She's fighting. Uh, um, she's fighting. Do, 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 what's her name? Uh, Jessica Andrade here coming up soon. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. so that'll be. And like she, like she was. Uh, picking Andrade apart up until the slam KO where mm. it was just more of a. She probably should have just let go of the, of, of the submission, but um, yeah, like that's. So I guess what what would you do? Would you where if that fight gets the next if you, shot, or would you do a rematch? Or I, I think it's probably I think if you uh, you're, why do I keep calling her Joel Romero? going to need a lot of time off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But like did that fight's coming up in say like a month's time. I think I think it's on UFC two four nine. If I'm not mistaken, yeah. so that that fight happens, they're going to need another month off and three months down the line, not five months away. I think that's that's plenty of time. I think for for Zhang Weili. She, and she, then do do you I, and Jacek versus like Tatiana Suarez or something like that? Yeah, I think Suarez. Dana White said it last night. She's neck problem and she doesn't they don't know when she's going to get back so that's a, that's a huge blow for the division yeah. I think she's fantastic but if, if Rosanam Yunus wins that fight you do Rosanam Yunus versus uh, versus Zhang Weili immediately I think I think that's the fight to do you know main, I, main event in Dublin yeah let's, <laughs> let's let that <laughs> every fight that comes up main event in Dublin yeah Jenna uh, White in the, the press conference last night said Darren Till and I think Jar- Darren Till versus Jared Cannonier he didn't say that you know exactly but I think that's what he was kind of looking at so that could be your uh, your main event in Dublin what do you think of that one would you want that no uh, no don't know you do anything for me I like, no, I like I mean, the idea yeah. of Darren Taylor fighting in Dublin but um, yeah no no I wouldn't do that. Uh, yeah I don't know anyway do, do Darren Taylor versus Yoel Romero yes oh, well, no that'd probably be boring as shit as well though no don't do that no <laughs> let, let's not do that uh, anyway we, we have plenty of time to talk about uh, fucking UFC double over next one let's run through a couple of these fights pretty quickly because we've a shitload more to do uh, my boy Benil Dariush got the knockout here and just the fucking that was fucking insane wasn't it? I'm just looking here the second round and they went one minute I was like that was infinite minutes for me watching it was like they're just going back and forth knocking each other out but uh, Benil Dariush is another you know we talk about chins Benil Dariush has had a chin issue and it's you know putting it bluntly over the last 
his whole career uh, and every time he gets clipped he looks like he's going to get knocked out and that was the case again here you know Drakkar Claus clipped him and I was like oh no here we go Benil Darius is getting knocked out again but he just came back and I, th- I thought he landed one beautiful shot to kind of save him from getting finished when he was hurt first and then he immediately recovered which is actually something Benil Darius has done again he's like one of these guys that gets hurt and he'll recover pretty quickly or else he'll get absolutely sparked out cold and I've never seen anyone <laughs> like that before but he, he he did that and he came back and he landed a big left hand right down through the middle absolutely fucking Bambi oh. legs Drakkar Claus was and he finished him then put the fucking gum shield out of his mouth like halfway through his mouth and it was like a Harlow Darkness my old friend falling yeah, out it really him. was it was like it was like time froze for a second yeah. and it's just like you're probably wondering how I got here it was at this moment I knew I, <laughs> I fucked, fucked up, up. <laughs> exactly but fantastic performance from Benil Darius I saw someone calling Paul Felder versus Benil Darius oh, I like that fight let's let's uh, let's make that happen um, Neil Magny came back then looked really good against mm. uh, Li Zhang Yang put on a, a high output and was landing with big power as well at times and he managed to get the uh, the unanimous decision so a good comeback win there for him uh, Alex Oliveira beat Max Griffin uh, I know I picked Max Griffin so I'm slightly biased here but Max Griffin was winning that fight early got that big cut in his eye and it was on a really kind of awkward place I think he kind of got two cuts maybe or I'm not it was hard to kind of see but it looked like he kind of got one in his eyelid and then well, one got, like on the bridge of his nose a big uppercut didn't he yeah. and he just kind of split it that, that changed the whole fight from that moment on. It was kind of all Alex Oliveira. And, you know, I think Max Griffin took it on short notice, they were saying. So, you know, the preparation and stuff as well. Although, you know, he came on strong in the end of that round. Joe Rogan just with horrendous commentary again on it. But these things happen in MMA. But a uh, good win for Alex Oliveira. This Sean O'Malley, Jose Alberto oh. Quinones fight. It was oh, one, of the, one of the weirdest fights ever. Because, like, we rarely see it in MMA where a guy kind of comes in to lose. I, 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 you know, I don't want to be putting a bunt bluntly or anything, but Sean O'Malley hit him with one shot. He, he, he hurt him a little bit with that first shot, and then he hit him with a head kick that did not land at all. And uh, Quinones kind of looked for a way out of here, I think, and and he found it pretty quickly. But uh, look, Nick. O'Malley looked good. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. O'Malley, like, there's no point pussyfooting around this fucking issue. Anyone watching that, no, like, can see it, can see it in front of their fucking eyes. I think. Yeah, I think I need to watch that again. I was a bit. I was kind of just coming in after a good few points. So yeah. uh, it happens though. Like when you're when you're a, a journeyman fighter and you're fighting someone who's a top prospect and they come in, they hit you with a few hard shots early. Yeah. You know, this fight what went two minutes. If you know you're taking a minute of shots from Sean O'Malley, that's that's no fucking fun in games. Like, I thought O'Malley looked very improved. I thought like his his striking looked amazing and and he kind of he kind of looks he came out and looked like he looked like he was fighting like McGregor. Um, just in, in his stance and his movement and stuff, but um, I thought I was very impressed by him. I thought he was like his he was very his technique was crisp. He was his, he was quick. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought like, it kind of showed that okay he'd been out obviously the kind of Usada issues and stuff like that, and he'd been injured as well. Um, but he's clearly been working on his game a lot, and I thought I thought he's significantly jumped up in level since his last fight. Uh, despite, despite, uh, uh, maybe, maybe I'm maybe I'm looking too much into this, and it was more a case of Canonis, but um. I thought I was very impressed, but with O'Malley, yeah, everything was good from O'Malley. I couldn't say a bad word about O'Malley, but you know he was fighting a punching bag. Let's be honest here. And, uh, <laughs> Don't you know, uh, yeah, I like I, anyone who listens to this podcast. No, I'm never that harsh on people. Like I'm, I'm, I can see you know where, and I never say someone looks for a way out and stuff. But 
this was just too obvious. Like, what am I supposed to say? How dare you? It was horrendous. Um, Ireland's on. Marco Madsen got a win as well. Although he had a bit of trouble late against uh, mm. against Austin Hubbard. I'm st- I'm not 100 percent sure the Mark- assault on Marco Madsen. I don't know when. I think in, in the third round, didn't he? Yeah, I think he needs to improve. Like, I think he needs to, to get all his striking together and get his jiu-jitsu going as well. And wrestling alone is not enough uh, in 2020. So when he uh, comes up levels, and, you know, I'm sure he will as well. He's he he's improving in certain ways, but he's he's an older kind of chap as well, and he's only had ten fights, and uh, you know he's in the deep end here now pretty quickly. So he'll he'll have to start uh, improving. But anyway, um, your boy Rodolfo Vieira coming in looking good for uh, for jiu-jitsu, setting the jiu-jitsu world alight, getting the the submission here after getting cracked early. Uh, so just he looks an absolute fucking animal as well. So really good. Um, could we, do a hit in the gym. Could do a hit Come on. in the gym. Yeah. He's a, he looks a bit few a less bit carbs. Weedy. Yeah. Mm, few less carbs. Sort of out. Get it, big get fat gut in a minute. Get it, Come get on, it, get it, get it together. You're a professional athlete, in, mate. Indeed. We get the Darren Wynn fight in a second, but uh, Gigi Kadze won a very close fight against um, Jamal Emmers. I, th- I think a lot of people thought Jamal won that, but I, I think it was just about right. Uh, just I think, skipping, uh, skipping over your boy, Jer. Uh, no, no. I, I, I said we come back to that. Calm down. And then uh, <laughs> Dana Battergrell beat Guido Canetti by a KO after three minutes. That was pretty good as well. Uh, this Darren Wynn fight, right? Before we move on. <sighs> like winning win won the first round I think but you couldn't tell that by the commentary because obviously DC Darren Wynn is DC's um uh, protege so DC was like completely anti Darren Wynn just because he didn't want to see him over the top and <laughs> far win so he's like oh Marshart's doing really well Marshart's winning Marshart's winning I was like yeah, he was winning bits of it but Darren Wynn was landing some good shots and he landed the harder shots and he probably won the round but Marshart came back and won the second round easy just landing his jab one two down through the middle but Wynn was landing some power shots uh, in the third again but uh, GM3 landed a big left hook Wynn just kind of lost all his composure and he ended up getting uh, getting rear naked chalked. But like watching this fight, you can't help but think that Wynn is never going to succeed in that middleweight division. He's just too fucking small. Like he's just what, too is, small. He, is he five seven? Is he five six? I think yeah. Jesus, yeah, yeah like just lose a bit of weight, mate. Yeah. Drop it. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if it's that easy either. Like I don't think it's, I don't think he's fat or anything. I, I think he's just like a fucking hefty guy. Uh, he's, just... he's got a way to lose. Like let's be real. Like if yeah, if he wants bit. to, he could do it over the course of of give yourself to uh, say 12 months to transition down to mm-hmm. to the next weight class you could do it very slowly through diet and stuff like that like you can change it would be you'd be different like you'd, you'd have to change your your shape like realistically but mm-hmm. i mean it's doable yeah let's see how it goes right anyway let's uh, move on let's just quickly touch on next week's uh ufc here before we get to cage warriors and all that because uh, I don't want to spend a lot of time on it, but this I believe this is over in Brazil, isn't it? Let me look. It is the Ginauzo G- Nilson Nelson in Brasilia, Brazil. And the top of the card, we have Kevin Lee versus Charles Oliveira. If Damian Maia against Gilbert Burns, if you're a jiu-jitsu fan, that'll probably be a great kickboxing match for you. Uh, we've, <laughs> <laughs> we've Fanato Maikana versus Damir Hanzovic. My boy Johnny Walker, close personal friend of mine against Nikita Krylov. Uh, eat, pray, Krylov. John McDessie against Fernandez Trisco Trinaldo. It feels like that fight has happened about 74 times in every prelim before. Zeki Dos Santos is fighting Kuchinko. Juicy Formiga for Brandon Marino. What a fantastic fight that is. Yaya, Enrique Barzola, Marina Moroz comes back here, Randa Marcos, Amanda Rivas as well. So this actually, you know, if you're a, a hardcore, this is a fucking, this is a pretty good card for you. But um, let's talk about the, the main event a little bit. Kevin Lee versus Charles Oliveira. Obviously, you know Charles Oliveira. I think he's the, the submissionist 
fighter in UFC history more more submissions than anyone else Kevin Lee is a wrestler who's been submitted before by uh, by Tony Ferguson I'm not mistaken but his boxing looked absolutely fantastic uh, in the last fight up a lightweight as well obviously Charles Oliveira's fought a lot down at featherweight but has missed the weight there a few times as well uh, thinking about this fight last night I know Charles Oliveira has improved an awful lot and Ke- Kevin Lee blows hot and cold at times as well and this is in Brazil so that I think that's in Charles Oliveira's side but I'd favour Kevin Lee strongly in this fight. What do you think? Yeah, I'd I'd be favouring Kevin Lee as well. Um, I, I mean, t- that, then again, like Alvarez on what, like seven fight win streak or something he's on yeah, at the moment. Lot, yeah. um, and you're kind of saying that like he's the most most submissions or whatever. But then two of his last three fights were uh, KO or That's TKO it, yeah. victories. Um, but yeah, I think I think Kevin Lee kind of will. I think he's a bit more proficient in, in all areas, to be honest with you. Um, and I think he can kind of dictate where it takes place. And then I, I can see him kind of taking it to the ground, kind of heavy top pressure, and then and then maybe finishing um, by the submission or, or or ground and pound even. Kind of, I can see it going similar to kind of how the Tony Ferguson fight went for Kevin Lee, except he'd win. Yeah, I think it'd be some statement if he submitted uh, submitted Charles Oliveira, but maybe not. Anthony Pettis submitted yeah. him. If I'm not, I'm not mistaken. I don't have his record up in front of me. Yeah, like the big, the big. I remember a while back the big narrative when it was um, obviously a different fight and all, but when it was Kevin Lee versus Michael Chiesa, it was all like how Chiesa was going to be the, the submission specialist here, yeah. and then Kevin Lee choked him out. Yeah. Definitely, 100%. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. You know, it's a good card. And I didn't one, uh, Indeed. One we'll talk about uh, later on in the week uh, again. Uh, right, let's get to this Cage Warriors card here. Lots of... Uh, actually, before we get to that, to Pro Bellum, I know there was a lot of Irish fella, uh, lads great, fighting on that. Great weekend for Irish MMA. It was. There was a lot of lads. Caelan Lockeran got a good win on that. The Keith McKay fight. I watched the Keith McKay fight. I managed to see that he... I thought he won the first, was it, if I'm not mistaken. It was 1-1 anyway, going into the third, and I thought the third was close, but I thought uh, mm. I thought his opponent won. Right? Like, I didn't get to watch that fight. Was it kind of like a typical Keith McKay yeah, fight? Oh, it was where a brilliant fight. Just fucking... great fight and mm-hmm. very close decision, and a lot, of, a lot like, of the times it doesn't go his way in the judges' scorecards. Yeah, a lot of times just baiting the shit out of each other on the ground. Yeah. And it was just, it was a typical He's Keith a tough McKay bastard, fight. Isn't he, is, he? he is a tough bastard. Like, he, you know, the... They're probably going to be given out about the decision again, I think. But I think the yeah. like the last time, I, I think the judges just about got it right. But uh, yeah, there was someone else on Pro Bellum as well, wasn't there? Who who was the? You were, did you mention someone else? Am I gone mad? Yeah, no, there was uh, there was a few people on Pro Bellum. One second, let me just pull up. Um, so we had so on the Pro Bellum card, we had who was the third one? Kaelin Lockran. Oh, Ivan Blinita. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so Ivan, if he, uh, Constantine, I believe, now it could be wrong, I put this in the article, I'm pretty sure they're brothers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Constantine Blinita, who fought um, Asael Ajuj on the, the opening uh, fight of the Bellator Dublin card recently. So they're, I think they're brothers. Um, but yeah, so I, I didn't I didn't see any of the pro Bellum fights, to be honest, but I heard it was a very, um, it was a close enough decision and, and uh, Blinita, or I don't know if it was close enough, but Blinita, Blinita took the decision um, mm-hmm. there against in Bal, against Balraj Singh. So um, yeah, good. Very good for a and uh, Ryan Spillane won as well for uh, SPG Cork so uh, yeah. over in Diamond over in Australia isn't he was it Australia oh yeah so very good for I think yeah, I think it's the Oceania, Oceania oh, Championships or something but one of the uh, IMAF yeah. uh, Championships he got a first round uh, I thought they um, was it Liam Ogre Griffin <laughs> they were recruiting lads from other countries because he was the only Irish person out there oh really oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah they were they're, like jokingly recruiting lads <laughs> for Team Ireland like right if you win you're on Team Ireland if you lose fuck off <laughs> that's how we that's how I was doing with fucking yeah. Sean O'Malley and Mark the most Irish thing in the world like yeah, every yeah, anyone yeah. who you can even remotely claim oh yeah they're Irish yeah get them in via the granny rule uh, exactly right let, let's move on to Cage Warriors and Ireland's own James Webb got away <laughs> 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 we might as well talk about James Webb when we were first up like 
I, 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 watching the fight at the time, I was like, oh, 29, 28 for, for Webb. I thought he, he definitely won it. But I went back and I watched the third round because I saw all three judges giving it to 30, 30, 27, one of them, and 30, 26, two of them, I believe, if I'm not wrong. It was Everyone gave him the, uh, the third round now, so I went back and watched it. And I think they were right. I, I think he he did win the third round as well. It was, although it was a very, very close round. But I thought yeah. James Webb... Looked a lot better here than uh, than he did, and you know it's it's a different thing as well. Fighting five rounds, fighting three rounds in terms of the output that you can put out, yeah. uh, and he just looked a little bit like the, the problem with James Webb. I think uh, for well, not the problem, but like an issue that he needed to improve on. Like James Webb is only fucking eight fights into his career as well. Sometimes we think he's been around for years. Yeah, and... Definitely, like I think the issue with him is like the, the output when he's on the ground, when he's on top, because everyone knows his top game and his takedowns are very, very good. But in that first round, I thought Webb was just a little bit too big. He landed a beautiful knee to the liver, knocked him mm. down, dropped him, almost got the Darce choke. You know, was attacking with that effective grappling there, landed some big elbows. Second, those, those elbows were vicious. Yeah, they were very good, especially the end of the second as well. The, the second was relatively close, but that output late in the second, that those big shots in the mouth, that's what wins you rounds, and that won the round for, for James Webb. In the third, early Webb takedown again, but Santin gets back up, and he landed some shots. Uh, Webb got up, spin the last minute on top, Almost got a heel hook at one stage as well from Stanton. So, like, I, I thought the third was very, very close. I kind of, I scored it for Stanton first, but on rewatch, I think, I think Webb did win it. But if you scored it for Stanton, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, be, uh, be against you too much. But good performance, wasn't it, from from James Webb, especially bouncing back from that Natias Frederick loss. But yeah, I thought it was very, very standard James Webb fight. Um, he does very well, kind of closing the distance, pressing up against the cage, kind of getting the takedown, and then just really dominating. And, and like he, he just land, he lands heavy, heavy strikes. But it's always, I mean, it was dominant. But you, I kind of wonder how far or like what, how James Webb's career is going to go from now. Because mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, so I don't see him ever being like say like a UFC champion or anything like that. However, mm-hmm. that's not to say I think he could compete in the UFC, but. I mean, does he go in like he's after coming off the back of that win now to mix that? And does he go into a third fight with Matthias Frederick or like how? I'm kind of wondering like how is he going to get signed to the UFC? Um, like what's his path to the UFC now? Like I know Chris Field spoke about he wanted him to fight three round fights now instead, and I think he I think that's a good idea, especially just for his, his own health. I mean, he had two wars with Matthias Frederick, and I mean, does do people want to see a third one? I mean, it'd be a good fight, no, but. I don't know. Just it, it maybe been a little bit overkill, but James Webb, I think, is is the type of person who maybe if he, I don't know, I think he needs a little bit of work in his stand up. Maybe just I don't know. He's, he, I I really don't know how to feel about James Webb. Like he's very very good, but I just don't know like what's next for him. As you said, like he's he's still early in his career, but he's kind of he's had the title already. Like he he's a champ, former Cage Warriors champion, lost the title in uh, close enough decision and all that. But um, I, I just don't know what's next for him. Really, it's. His his career confuses me, I guess, or where it's going. Uh, it's early in his career, I think. I think, yeah. Like, it, uh, someone asked me last night about about Paul Hughes. We we'll get to Paul Hughes in a second, but it's like, uh, how good is he? How far can he go? Well, like anyone can go. You know, a lot of these lads coming up, and I, I don't think Paul Hughes or um, James Webb maybe has the. The, the ceiling that Paul Hughes has or the, the, the you know the ability to go as far as Paul Hughes maybe in terms of the UFC and everything like that but like these lads can go as far as they want if they have the you know the, the want and desire to do it and if James Webb has that want and desire he can go far because 
if he like all he needs to do is add a few strings to his ball if he yeah. you know if he's, he'd, be a, like, he'd be a great addition to UFC like I'm, I guess what I'm wondering like I'm not trying to um, talk bad about James Webber and I think he's a great fighter but I just I don't like the path to the UFC is what can, confuses me right now for him because I don't know where it is. It, while Natalia Frederick is champion, like, like, do we see a third fight? I don't know. And like James Webb is the type of guy he could easily be added to that UFC Dublin card. Like he, he's kind of someone that that you could look at. And I guess it's kind of difficult when you're not the champion and you lost the belt. But um, like I think he he can compete definitely with kind of like the upper echelon and, and maybe maybe not like kind of top ten or top fifteen. But like he can definitely win some fights in the UFC. I think. Um, he, yeah. He, not at the moment, I don't think. I, I think he needs to... Like, let's be realistic about it here. Like, these lads, when they're young in their career, unless it's fucking you know, Paul Hughes, <laughs> I think, because we get the Paul Hughes, but I think he was fantastic. But a lot of these lads need 15 fights to get to UFC level, to have another 10 fights to get to, like, top 10 UFC level. Like, there is a... It takes a lot. It takes... You have to add, keep adding strings to your ball. Like, it, it's no good being a good prospect coming through or getting to even, like, a Cage Warriors or a Bama or a CFFC title or whatever or over in America and then not adding things and getting to that next level. Like, as uh, my kind of point here on, on all these fighters, and not just James Webb, not Paul Hughes, not Ian Gary, not Kiefer Crosby, James Gallagher, whoever it, it is, if... You get to a certain level in a Bellator, in a you know, even if you get to the UFC, if you get to a certain level and then you don't keep improving, you're fucked. You're gone. You that that's it. You'll stay at that level. You'll get worse, and you'll be out of the UFC. You'll be back to fighting, you know, for five hundred quid on the on the regional scene. That that's the reality of MMA. That is the. It's not like you know Jesse Lingard signs a contract at Man United for hundred grand a week, and he's fucking shit for five years, and it'll yeah. never make any difference to him. It's a doggy dog world in MMA, and if uh, James Webb is a good fighter, but if he doesn't add things to his bow, he'll never get to the UFC. And if he gets to the UFC, and he doesn't add more things there, he won't stay. In the UFC and same for Paul Hughes, same for Ian Gary, same for fucking Conor McGregor back in the day when he was signed, same for everyone. So that's that's the thing, it, it takes yeah. a lot. And it, like, it could be one of those things where, like, in this day and age, like, we're seeing these fighters come up, mm-hmm. and we kind of talked about this before, where, like, in the past, like, they'd be getting to say 10, 12, and 0, yeah. or not a 12, no, but whatever their record may be, they don't have to be undefeated. Mm-hmm. And you don't really see them, or like, you, you've heard like all little bits of here from them, or you might see a video here and there of them, but like, nowadays. Every fight from from day one, once you turn pro, yeah. you're on the you're on a stage where everyone can see your fights and, and they're judging you, and you don't have that kind of uh, privacy, or, or I guess you're 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 not you're more in the spotlight than say pre- the previous generations that came up with fighters and where they can kind of they can cut their teeth and they can take their losses and, and improve and have bad fights and then add some something to their game and then eventually they become like a, the polished um, fighter that they that they are and, and and the kind of the finished product and then you can say okay and then we start looking towards the UFC and that's not the case anymore so like as you said like James James Webb is young in his career he's, he's become a, ch- a champion he's lost the belt but maybe I'm looking too far forward towards the UFC already when it should mm-hmm. be okay look he had the belt he lost it he can rebuild he can continue to add um, aspects to his game maybe go for the belt again and then get to the UFC later on and maybe he, maybe he won't maybe he'll never um, that, that's yet to be seen but there's still a lot of time left for these guys and it's Again, I've, I'm victim to it too, like where you, you see fighters with a loss or two here and there, and you're like, oh, geez, I don't know. And it's, it's kind of like, what have you done for me lately? Yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah. That's what happens in a way. Like if you have, if you have the quality, you're, you know, you, and you have the work ethic and you keep improving, you're going to, you're going to make it there. So that's, yeah. you know, I've seen it, a great, I mean, they, they have such a great gym there at the moment mm-hmm. that, 
that I mean he's trained with the likes of Ian Gary and Chris Fields coming back and, and all the young lads coming up so I mean they're going to make each other better um, so you would think that they as a as a gym they'll continue to improve mm-hmm. um, and like if you speak to Chris Fields I know that James he's not living in the gym anymore he does uh, Chris is like hey, he doesn't have that cool story anymore where he's, he's sleeping in the gym but if you ask any of them in there, like he's one of the one of the hardest trainers you'll find in the gym, and, and kind of they kind of take inspiration from his work ethic. So when you put in the the, the more work you put in, like that you the you get the rewards, I guess. One hundred percent. Yeah, let's let's move on to. Uh, there isn't much I suppose to talk about the the main event. We'll get to the, the other Irish lads in a second. Um, Jack Hartwright against Manuel Bilic. You know, Jack Hartwright came out. He was. Trump big shots early, Hortman and Billich in, in the first round, I thought. And then Billich started sandbagging a little bit, acting as if he was knocked down to try to get him into his guard. And the second your plan A becomes jujitsu, the fight's over. So that's exactly what happened. And Jack Carrey won over five rounds. The, the UFC broadcast, UFC fight broadcast, cut out in the middle of the third. So I think we missed, uh, well, at yeah, the start of the third. So I missed, actually like, missed this fight, but that sounded insane. Yeah. They, 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 were, they just cut to the prelims, and the prelims hadn't even started hadn't yet. Hadn't even started, it? yeah. But then they came back that's in like, the start of the fourth round. So it was absolutely. Uh, that's that's yeah, horrendous. horrendous. Especially yeah. like that, that's Jack Hardwright. Like, there's, he came out of nowhere. He, he starts two lads in that one, one night tournament. And everyone's been talking about it in the last week. Like there's been a lot of traction for Jack Hartwright in the last week or so. And that's someone that they should be looking at. And saying, okay, this can be someone who's who's going to be going to the UFC in a little while. And when you're, they have you, you have him on your platform on UFC Fight Pass. Mm-hmm. You should be getting people, like the UFC should be should be highlighting the fact that they have these cards on Fight Pass and saying, oh, look at this up and comer, and getting the eyes on these guys early, so that when they come to the UFC, they already have a fan base, not just the local one, say in Manchester and the UK and Ireland and stuff, but getting Americans watching these guys, so then they're already able to promote them a little bit better. Like that's just that's horrendous by yeah. UFC Fight Pass. Yeah, oh jeez, I'm after knocking my ball. Uh, is that spilling? Hold on. Ah, yeah, but anyway, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it was, it was it was terrible. But I actually, from like a uh, an uh, hardcore MMA fan's point of view, I was actually more impressed with this performance from Jack Cartwright than I was with those two knockouts in one night because this proved that he can go far. You know, anyone can. Well, not anyone, but a lot, a lot of lads yeah. can knock two lads out in in one night. But not a lot of people can go five rounds and look good and show your striking and show your wrestling and show your defensive jiu-jitsu ability as well. Very, very well-rounded performance and a very good performance. Really impressed with Jack Hart right now after being impressed after those two knockouts as well. So, yeah, I actually missed this fight. I was on my way home. Did he look like? Did he slow down at all throughout the rounds, or was it from what I from what I heard, it was just a, a domination, and he really just picked him apart over five rounds and continuously yeah. like, like knocking him down, telling him to stand up. And yeah, what what was happening? Like he was winning the first two rounds, he kept knocking him down. And your man was laying on his back, but. Then something obviously happened in the third round. I didn't manage to see it, but it was like Billish started to do a little bit better in the fourth round. But Carrot was on top, and he was, you know, he was just he was just dominating him. It was, you know, it was it was a dominant display for him, really. But uh, anyway, uh, Adam Proctor as well. A lot of people talking about him maybe fighting Reese McKee for the title. Uh, he uh, he dominated the the command event again. Then went to uh, went to twelve and one. Um, George Smith won uh, here. Adam Wilson opened up the card, beat Scott Malone. Uh, Jonas McGard won. Nathan Fletcher as well. Steve Hooper beat Tom Mearns, who was due to fight in Bellator, Ireland, not too long ago. So he went up and went and fought there. Uh, and then we had the other two um, opening pro fights were Paul Hughes and James Sheehan. Let's talk about James Sheehan. Go first. on, Ireland. Go on, Ireland. A great night for Irish MMA. Fair play to him. Sean O'Malley, Marco Madsen, James Sheehan, Paul Hughes, all the rest of them. And John O'Carroll as well in the boxing. Fantastic display he, he put on as well. But James Sheehan, like, 
I was. I think everyone who watched that uh, Ian Gary fight was impressed with James Sheehan and knows how good both of those lads are. But he looked good here again. Uh, he was. Uh, he got caught a little bit, I believe, in the first. Mm. Uh, but there was lots of kind of pushing against the fence and saying, you know, maybe didn't put a, a huge stamp on the round. Although I thought he probably still won it. But in the second round, he upped the pace and he came forward and he came out. And uh, you know, he got the, the fight went to the ground. And he got the the rear naked choke and like. I thought that second round, you know, the first round after kind of losing a couple of fights in his career, you think some lads, like, might be a little bit too cautious, might try to, you know, instead of going out and throwing your shots or go, going for your submissions, you might be like, all right, I'll just push lad against the fence and, you know, try to win a three-round fight or something like that. But in the, in the second round, he came out and he showed that wasn't the case. You know, he went out and he, he threw his shots and he, he got the fight there where he needed to get that. And I was really impressed with James Sheehan. Good good display, wasn't it, from James Sheehan bouncing back here yeah, to the winner? I thought he looked great in there. I think, um, I mean, his stock definitely didn't take a, a hit when during that Ian Gary fight. Um, I, that was a, it was a great fight. But I, yeah, I thought he looked great. I thought, as you said, you hit the nail on the head there. Really, the first round was a little tentative, and I thought he did maybe just enough to to take it. Um, and then the second round, he just came out and was just absolutely clinical with his game plan. Just took him took him down. There was a few back takes, got mount, and then and then ultimately um, submitted him by a rear naked choke. But I thought it was very clinical. I thought it was his grappling looked very polished. Um, and yeah, that's a good win for James Sheen. Yeah. Good win for Irish MMA. 100%. And in Paul Hughes, like Paul Hughes just looked, looked really... Like, I'm not sure if he slipped or got knocked down in the start, but it looked like he got knocked down with a jab. So you know, uh, I think it was a bit of both. He, he, he did say, I think it was in an interview or something like that, he kind of he got caught a little bit, he got a little bit rocked. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't think it was just a slip. I do think he, he got hit yeah. a little bit, but I mean, he recovered immediately and, and he just looked... He looked so impressive. Yeah, he landed a few nice leg kicks. That knee yeah. to the knee to the body got a knockdown. Was absolutely brilliant. He's so uh, confident, isn't he? Yeah. Like just watch him walk at the cage. Like you watch him walk the cage. It was the same with the unplugged chair. Like you wouldn't think this is someone who's like now four or now five now. He was going yeah. in four and out of this 100%. one, 100%. two and out of the last one, wasn't he? Yeah, and he did like he did the exact same. I thought as uh, Jim Sheen here. He upped the pace in the second. He landed those hard shots inside, and he got the the head kick KO. It was one of those ones as well where. You when you someone lands a, K, a head kick KO like that, you know that they're really calm in there because it wasn't like mm-hmm. you throw your technique and he's just at the end of it. This was like, oh, I have to pull back that leg a little bit and kick it. It was like a, you know, do you know those short hooks or those like those short elbows inside or like a short choke. You have to kind of adjust yeah, a little bit from the normal. In, yeah, yeah, I think he adjusted that kick and then, like if anyone goes back and watches it again, it, it's not just a kick. Like I thought it was like a natural one, but a, like a natural raw just in there that if you weren't comfortable you wouldn't make so I was he, com- he, 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 com- he tweeted back to Cage Warriors put out a video of it earlier on again and he commented back saying uh, took a whole round setting up that shot mm-hmm. noticed the switch from orthodox to southpaw just before the kick and the placement of the foot right back into the orthodox immediately after mm-hmm. the KO it was no fluke so I mean I mean that's obviously him saying that but like he was setting up that shot for a, for a while um, and yeah like how can you not be impressed by this guy? Like, he burst onto the scene with that insane performance for his debut, and and he's just he's finished every fight since then. So, I mean, I think the the sky is the limit for Paul Hughes. He was t- telling me in their interview earlier in the week that there was this is the first time he's had a, a date, a fixed date, and was able to put in a full camp and a full strength block into his um for his performance, and it really showed. Like, he just looked very very good in there, and and he was good on the mic. He called out uh, Morgan Sharia. He called out um. Uh, was it Mads Mads Bernal, yeah. yeah. Um, kind of Colin Bourne and stuff. So he's he's a guy who's definitely going to start pushing towards that title, and I think he's very 
Look, I think when a lot of the talk kind of when UFC Dublin was announced was, okay, which Irish fighters are going to be signed? And, and we've all kind of said, look, I think it's a bit, a little bit early for the likes of Paul Hughes and Ian Gary. And mm-hmm. um, in the interview that we did, um, so full disclosure, so we lost some of the, the footage for that, but I asked You Paul lost Hughes, some of them. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, <laughs> team, ever, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, I, Skype shot the bed, me. I blame Skype. But I, I asked him, I put it to him, I said, look, I said it straight out. I go, look, I think it's too early for you to go to the UFC. I think the same, like, like yourself and Ian Gary, like this time is not the time. Kind of get a few more wins, push for a title in Cage Warriors, and then kind of hone your craft a little bit more. And then maybe next year, if UFC Dublin comes back again, then that'd be the time then. And he kind of agreed with me and said, look, when it was first announced, I didn't even think about it at all. Um, but then people started saying it to me and I started thinking about it a little bit more. And I was like, you know what? If I can get a few more fights, a few more finishes, and I get to say 6-0, and that's not outside the realms of possibility to get on that card. And this, Ian Gary kind of has said the same, that like it's not crazy for a 6-0 fighter to get on. And I still do think it's too early. However, when you're coming out and putting on a performance like that, getting a head kick knockout, mm-hmm. and then that's building a huge amount of momentum, like a lot of people seeing that video going doing the rounds, then you go to say, maybe get a big fight on, on the, the Cage Warriors Belfast show in May. I mean, you're putting yourself in a very good position to get signed, even if it is a little bit early or, or, or maybe... Yeah, I, I just still don't think it's a good idea. I think maybe wait and go for the title by, by the end of the year instead. But I mean, Paul Hughes is putting himself in a very good position here to get noticed and, and he could in theory get signed. I, I don't think he will, but it's not outside the realms of possibility if he continues finishing guys the way he is. I, yeah, I agree. I, I think Paul Hughes is actually a different case than most lads because most lads, I tell him stay. Like I, I've said it a hundred times, everyone's probably sick of me saying it. You know, everyone looks at Conor McGregor and thinks I want to be this brash guy who goes out and, you know, fights in a karate stance and throws big kicks and knocks everyone down. But no one looks at the far, 14 fights Conor McGregor had before getting to the UFC, you know, fighting in loads of fights in Cage Warriors and fighting for two Cage Warriors titles and then going to the UFC. No one sees that, and I think more people need to do that. But I don't know is that the right road for Paul Hughes, to be honest, because what we have, like, Mads Burnell is the, is the Cage Warrior champion, if I'm not mistaken, right now, and you've Morgan Sherry there as well. Yeah, like, Morgan Sherry's fighting for the title. I think it's kind of vacant, or I don't really know what the story oh, is. There, oh, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah, Mads Burnell's just a really good side. Like, he's up there, so, but, like, how far would Paul, how, like, how far into Paul Hughes' UFC career, if he was signed to the UFC tomorrow, would he get a, a fight as tough as Mads Burnell? I think it'll probably be a couple of years, to be honest. So you're if you're stay if Paul Hughes stays in Cage Warriors right now, yeah. he'll actually get a tougher fight quicker yeah. than if he went to the UFC. I actually think he might be better off going to the UFC, f- fighting some of the lower la- down lads. There, it's still going to be tough fights. It's going to be tough fights if you go into Cage Warriors or whatever. Or else, I think he stays in Cage Warriors and doesn't get to a title yet until maybe next year or whatever. Uh, yeah, I think I, I actually the, the think only thing we I mean we haven't seen Paul so. But, but by all accounts, Paul Hughes' skill set looks to be very polished. It looks to be very well rounded. Mm-hmm. Like we've seen him grappling, we've seen like he loves those big slam takedowns. Um, I don't know what it is, but he loves kind of getting us against the fence and then walking him to the center of the, the cage and, and slamming him down. But uh, he's very well rounded. But we ha- we still haven't seen him be pushed kind of into the say third round in, in a tough tough fight. Mm-hmm. So I would like to see that before he goes to the UFC. I mean, it's been all finishes so far, so I would like to see how he reacts when he's on the back foot, when he's losing the fight, when he's two rounds down, or something like that. But mm-hmm. then again, maybe we can just wait. We can. I th- I would. I don't disagree with you. At the same time, like I do think he he is almost ready, and it's crazy because he's only what 22, 23, I think. Mm-hmm. Like it's nuts uh, the level kind of that he's at, and it was a bit of kind of hyperbolic at first, maybe with his, his pro debut. But I mean every fight since then he's looked very impressive and um, yeah maybe one or two more fights and he, he could get signed yeah and he tweeted me last night as well saying he's going to be uh, the Cage Warriors featherweight champion in 2020 mm-hmm. and you know 
the the plus point and the thing we're leaving out here i think maybe is that uh he's he has ian dean uh you know putting his, his career together there as a match yeah. worker for cage warriors and if uh, ian dean knows better than me and he knows better than anyone he's he's you know he's the best in the world at doing that so i'm do, sure do you think that the fact that he hasn't been and by no fault of his true no fault of his own uh fighting at a specific weight class will that go against him when nah. the UFC looking at it Oh well, no, I don't think so, really. I think the fact that you know his opponent kind of came in in a couple of weeks' notice or whatever, I, I yeah. think people realize that. You know, Paul Hughes can make one forty-five. I think. You know, yeah, no, I don't think there's any any issue there. And he's been adamant that that the next fight will be at one forty-five. That he's not he's not taking any catchweights anymore. So, yeah, yeah, so, yeah no, I, I think it'll be all right. Um, right before we get into the the big Bellator fight next week, obviously a huge fight for Irish MMA as well. You're heading up to uh, to Cage Legacy as well next week, aren't you? Yeah. There was a Cage Conflict card yeah, as well. Yeah, I was going to say, weekend. just yeah, maybe uh, quickly talk about the Cage Conflict card. So um, I know that uh, Kyle McClurkin won, I think, the 185-pound title there. He got a, a TKO win. Decky Dalton got a win. He was defending his his 145-pound title. Um, so I think he won. He had won the 145-pound title. Then he couldn't make one of the fights. So Paul Hughes fought for it or something like yeah. that. So then he, he won both of them. Um, Andres Binder, uh, or I don't know how you say that, uh, defeated Dermot Bukla of Team Rhino. So Andres Binder is, he's, I don't think he's Irish, but he's um, he's fighting out of Shell in MMA in Galway, I think. Mm-hmm. Ben Davis um, beat the Italian Andrea Marazzo, um, another Shell in MMA. Ben Davis, this would be a lad that I... I'm not going to pretend that I that I know much about him, but um, he, I mean, he fought Norman Park back in the day. He fought on Roddy, so he's been around the scene for for years. And his first fight in a few years, so good to, uh, to see kind of lads like that coming coming back and and staying active. Um, but yeah, it's a good night all around. I think at a, a cage conflict. Um, but yeah, good good to see more Irish MMA shows um, about as well. Definitely, yeah, hundred percent. And, and the K- like I was speaking. Yeah, sorry, speaking of Joe, Joe McCoggan, so I was speaking to Joe McCoggan this week and he was very much high on, obviously their teammates, so with any fight you take with, with a pinch of salt when they're talking about teammates, but he was very, very high on, on Kyle McClurkin and said that he's he sees him as kind of the best middleweight in, in Ireland. Mm-hmm. Um, so it could be one to watch and keep an eye on there. Um, getting a couple of stoppage victories. He got knocked out by Will Fleury in his debut, I believe, in Bama. Um but, I mean, he's looked very impressive since then. Yeah, 100%. And uh, Cage Legacy card this weekend as well. I believe you're, you're heading up to it, aren't you, as well, next weekend. I think uh, Ian O'Neill's going to have a bit of an article coming out about it as well. There's some good, obviously, a lot of good amateur fights on it as well. My boy, Valdrum Lubishanti against uh, Patrick Lahan, who everyone will remember from that mad KO down in Cork last week is on this card, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Is that the, yeah, I think, yeah. I think yeah, so yeah, it's, that's, uh, that's on there, yeah. Anything else stand out to you? Looking forward to heading uh, to that. Uh, Cage Legacy card, like I've been to five or six Cage Legacy cards at this stage. It's like it's always uh it's always a fun night. It's like it, Cage Legacy is one of those ones where you can kind of go to and you can be near the cage and you can kind of sit and pretend you're a judge. And I think it's a that's a very good thing for for going to car uh, to uh, events like this and going to local Irish MMA shows. And you see people as well. You know we're going to get to Bellator here in a second. Pedro Carvalho is fighting for a Bellator title uh to next week and he fought in the Cage Legacy. So you know you, maybe you'll be looking at a, a future Bellator fighter or UFC fighter or Bellator champion maybe in. If you go to one of these cards, so it's uh... really kind of what I'm looking forward to is just kind of seeing, kind of, I guess, the grassroots of Irish MMA, and and it's a kind of an ex- exciting time at the moment. So uh, it'll be interesting to see kind of who are the guys that are kind of starting to come out and, and make a name for themselves. And I think a lot of fighters are being very smart with their careers these days. Like, I remember speaking to Palahan. Palahan had that insane uppercut knockout on Cage Warriors Cork. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the, it was just absolutely nuts. And I remember t- the, talking to him after in the post fight scrum and asked him, I was like, so like, when are you, are you thinking of turning pro? And he was kind of very dismissive of it. He was like, no, no, like, that's not me yet. Like, I want to continue to to work on my skills and I work on my, I want to stay an amateur and, and all that. So um, people are, I think he's very smart with his kind of how handling his career. And I think a lot of fighters are these days. So they're really kind of putting in the effort at, at amateur and, and really kind of honing their craft there. And then when they're ready, going pro and, and going from there. So it'll be very, very interesting to see. And I'm, I'm looking forward to the show. Yeah. Oh yeah, they should be a should be a good show. So if anyone's around, where's Andrade? If anyone's around there, yeah, uh, uh, the O'Reilly uh, GA Club, I think, or yeah. GA Grounds or something like that. Uh, right, this Bellator card as well uh, coming up this weekend. Obviously, we have uh, Ireland's own Pedro Carvalho in the main event against Patricio Pitbull. Pe- oh, uh, Pe- Pedro Carvalho. Pedro Pedge. Oh, Pedro Carvalho. Carvalho. There you go. Um, yeah. We get to that in a second. Daniel Weichel against Emmanuel Sanchez. Well, I believe that's in the uh, in the tournament, so that should be a good fight as well. Paul Daly's back here against Sabaho Massey. Matt Mitrion against Ronnie Marks after Josh Burnett was forced. Off. I believe did he fail a drugs test? If I'm not mistaken, maybe it's in. I don't know what's going on, but allegedly. Um, Fabio Aguilar as well uh, against Anatoly Tokov, who everyone probably remembers from that Fedor card a while back. So he's a very good fighter. I think he was signed to the UFC. And uh, he just, I don't know, something happened. Uh, Leandro Higo on the card as well. Nick Newell, Mussy TV is on the card. And Leslie Smith against uh, Jesse Mila is on this card as well. So I'm sure Sinead Gavin will have something to say about that. <laughs> some, <laughs> after, some choice uh, words. Uh, Ian Pasco as well on the card. SBG fighter, obviously. And um, uh, Kevin Ferguson Jr. as well is on this card. But, like, uh, watching tape on Pedro Carvalho and, uh, and Pitbull Fajaya, this is this is going to be a, a really good fight. Like if, if a lot of people might haven't seen much of Pitbull, and even though he's like one of the best featherweights in the world, and he's been around for a long time, but the fact that the uh, uh, also as well, before we get into that, uh, the Bellator uh, Bellator isn't listed on Sky Sports for next week, so I don't know if it's going to be on or not. I have emailed Bellator, and I'm waiting for a, a decision back. So follow me on Twitter at Chanchi and uh, and I'll tweet it out there. So hopefully, hopefully we'll be able to fucking see it. But anyway. Um, uh, like Pitbull is is a fighter who comes out and he's a very odd kind of stance. He he's very much uh, an orthodox fighter in terms of stance with his high front hand. You know he's not a long fighter. He tries to fight you short, but he uh, he's low enough output, but picks his power shots really well. He's a really good guillotine and he looks and things like that. You get like. A lot of time in these fights, he gets knockdowns into the submissions, knocked out. Uh, Michael Chandler, just because he was kind of faster to the counter, um, and uh, you know he's able to go five rounds as well as we saw with with Arcaleta. But Pedro Carvalho has loads of out, but then he's the opposite. He's like this high kicks, high pressure, non-stop start to fighter. Too much pressure at times because he gets taken down the odd time and things like that. But he defends well on the ground. He kind of bites his time to get up again. So that's a that's a match made in heaven. I think I think it'll be a good fight. Uh, how would you see it? going what, what do you think a big big fight isn't it for Irish MMA yeah having massive fight for, for Irish fight. MMA um, yeah and pr- probably flying a little bit under the radar too and it's cr- yeah. like just crazy to think how how far Pedro Carvalho has gone in his, his short career like he's only 24 years old I mean maybe not short career he's what 11 and 3 now so 14 fights in but he's only 24 so like it's pretty pretty crazy that he's already fighting for a title and he's just looked really good and like picking up wins over like kind of respected um, fighters like kind of beat Daniel Crawford and submitted Sam Cecilia an ex-UFC guy his last fight like his last three fights haven't gone outside oh no sorry the Cecilia one was around two so it was that he ran two uh, first round finishes and then finished Cecilia in the second so I mean a lot of momentum coming in behind him here and um, it's just a huge fight and, and I'd wonder a little bit is 
like he's like Pedro Cavalli's not that well known, so you'd wonder. And Patricio Pitbull picked him for this tournament when they had that that show, that kind of um, whatever show they had. Um, so you'd wonder, like, is he picking him just because he thinks he's an easy fight? Is he overlooking him a little bit, or or you don't know, you wouldn't know what way he's thinking coming into this? So I think it's just gonna be a great fight, and I I think. Carvalho has, I think he has what it takes to beat him, mm-hmm. um, to be honest with you. But I don't know. I mean, you'd probably favour Pitbull coming in. Um, but I, I can definitely see Carvalho walking away with the strap. Yeah, like, if someone went in and fought the exact same style as Patricio Pitbull, I, I'd favour Patricio Pitbull to win handily. Uh, and I still favour Patricio Pitbull to win. I think he'll, he'll beat Pedro Carvalho. But the fact that Pedro Carvalho has, like, a, a completely opposite style of him in, in terms of, maybe not completely opposite, but in terms of he strikes differently and strikes with a whole lot of different output, uh, that, that gives it a chance. Like, whoever can impose their will better uh, will will win the fight. And now maybe that's not true either because uh, Pitbull only has to land one shot even if he's losing most of the fight to win. But, yeah, like, I think I think Carvalho will probably have a good first round, to be honest. I think he'll, he might win the, the first round. And Pitbull, Pitbull is a good man for finding ways and finding shots and picking his shots and getting those reads. So I think is you know maybe not necessarily as the fight goes on he'll start to win but i think as the fight goes on he'll probably have a better uh, ability to read carvalho and where he's moving and if carvalho slows down a little bit i think landing those big shots when you don't have that much output you can kind of carry the power a little bit more so you know i think uh, i think it'd be very interesting to see how bellator approach their next dublin show if carvalho wins Mm -hmm. i mean i know so it's within the tournament i think they all have to be on the u.s soil anyway because of the, the zone deal but Let's say Carvalho becomes a champion. Like, do we start seeing him main eventing in, for the title in Dublin? Maybe. I mean, obviously James Gallagher would be the the obvious choice there. But maybe I know, it'd just be interesting to see. Like, will, will we start getting kind of higher or upper echelon fights and, and kind of t- fights with title implications up there, mm-hmm. rather than just kind of exhibition fights? Really, that don't have too much. It doesn't really matter what happens in the fights, really. It's just kind of a good yeah. night out for the Irish fans. <laughs> yeah, no, probably not. Uh, although the, the UFC is coming back, so maybe you know. Maybe, but this, as you said, he's in the middle of the uh, the tournament now, so this fight yeah. uh, maybe an odd title fight. This is massive. Like this is yeah. the biggest fight for. I mean, we'll claim him Irish MMA. Like I know he's Portuguese, but. Biggest fight for Irish MMA in a long, long time. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah, it's a, it's a huge fight. So, yeah, if Pedro Carvalho can win here, it's probably, you know, for an Irish trained fighter, it's probably, apart from Conor McGregor, the biggest win ever. H- it has to be. Like, you know, I, I know there's some, you know, Cage Warriors champions down through the years as well. And, you know, yeah. Joseph Duffy has won some big fights in the UFC and Ashton Daly and, and stuff has won big fights in the UFC. But, you know, this is, this definitely has to be up there, I think. As, yeah. as like, it's not easy to win a Bellator title. I know the UFC, there's mm-hmm. still a big gulf in class between the UFC and Bellator, mm-hmm. but. Uh, when you get to the upper echelon of the divisions, I keep using that fucking word from Grant. Yeah, yeah. um, like it, it's a high level. Like when you're a Bellator champion, you're you are a very very high level. It's mm-hmm. just there's a big gap between the the top of the divisions, the champions, and then the lower end. That's where the, the kind of the fall off is between the UFC and Bellator. But I mean, once you're at the top, like that's no easy feat. One hundred percent. Right. Uh, yeah. So best look to to Pedro. Obviously, a few Irish lads tra- traveling over there as well. So I uh, look at. I think it'd be. A, I think it'll be a good fight. Uh, one or two questions here before we go. We've, the podcast has been nine hours long. I actually don't think we talked about it enough. But uh, Johnny Normal name, which is a great name, says uh, Rogan had a horrendous night on the mic. Do you think it's time for him to to hang it up? No. Yes and no. I just uh, actually I don't think they were as bad last night together. Do you see him? But. To dim together is just awful at times. I think it's they were probably time, about it's, it. it's like a it's like a fight pa- or a yeah. fight companion. Like yeah. at one was it DC? Yeah, it was DC. At one point was 
just reading out his text from his mates being like well yeah. this person said this is like are you not the one supposed to be giving your take here rather yeah. than just reading out what your friends think and sitting at home um, <laughs> yeah you're always supposed to be watching the fight and you're just reading your yeah. phone like, <laughs> like yeah oh. but i do like to be fair like look we've been very critical and like look it should joe rogan retire no like joe rogan brings so much to the sport like he's synonymous with with the ufc and like the, the number of eyes and stuff that he brings to it is is probably crazy too but I don't think he needs to retire. I think he just needs to educate himself. And I think very, very slowly he is. Like, he was a little bit better last night. They, John Anik does a great job, uh, for the most part, of, of trying to, or like attempting to kind of yeah, read it needs, back to the... He needs to do better. But it's not the same, like, Joe Rogan and, and DC and then they should be doing this. Too. But I, I, like, at least I saw with, Dominic Cruz saying, again, tweeting out last night, yeah, that you need God. to beat the champ. And it's just like, that's oh, such bullshit. Like. At least with Rogan and uh, DC, it's ignorance. To, not to the sport or not to the techniques or not to the, the tactics, but ignorance to the judging system. But John Anik can't make that. It's almost worse for John Anik because he knows, he's listening, and he replied to that video that I put up and he know he's seen it. He know, he knows the rules. And the fact that he's yeah. going to give him 10-10s is actually worse. Like, he, uh, like I, I really like John Anik. I think he's fantastic. I think he's a great commentator. I think he's a great guy and yeah. everything. But that's, that's a big fucking flaw. And you can't just be like... Yeah. agreeing to, with to the be lads. fair they did catch themselves and they said like once uh, the, the shot not enough. Yeah. Well, not enough, though. yeah but they did like they better. backtracked on that 10 10 because i immediately i was like here like what the fuck are they talking about like you all hit him with a huge shot um and then they did they saw that that replay they go oh that was a big one there maybe okay then maybe that was a deciding factor that maybe okay so maybe 10 9 romero so they, they they are slowly starting to kind of learn but i think the commission's also i mean i'm sure that they do have meetings and stuff but the commission's probably need to do a better job and and really overemphasizing the fact that this is the criteria like there should be there should be a meeting before these fights and maybe there is and obviously I'm coming from a place of ignorance here because I don't know the setup and how they how they work but they should be having a meeting with the commentators and with any officials that are, are talking about these fights no, and no, saying no, this no 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 that's not their rule the, the commentators if they want to go in and learn it they go in and learn it but the commission going to the commission commentators nothing got to do with each other the, com- the commission goes and you know commissions the fights it's not their job to tell the commentators what to do that's the, the commentator but there should like, be an education process no yeah but they should go and fucking educate themselves it doesn't have to be the commission yeah, to clearly, educate the commentators yeah, no, okay, I, I agree I agree but they're clearly not doing that so I think oh, at no, this point yeah. like and, they and need a little, little the bit of help fault, no maybe not their fault but like I would like them I would like to see them maybe <laughs> being a bit, bit more annoying to the commentators and be like look here fucking learn these rules yeah, like I, I think judges are in a very tough spot because whatever they say it's you know people are going to misunderstand it like the level of misunderstanding of judging commentators you mean no, not everyone you know uh-huh. no judges I mean because if judges yeah. come out and say something people are just going to misinterpret it it's going to look bad and it's going to come back to them it's just going to cause them fucking hassle that's why judges don't really do interviews they don't really you know come out and say much you know a lot of people are saying oh judges should come out and explain their cards well if a judge comes out and explain their card and 99% of the people don't know the scoring system then that judge is that judge is going to look like he hasn't a clue but the fact is that 99% of the people don't have a fucking clue so what like it's a lose-lose situation for them and I think like obviously Ben Carriage did the podcast with me because he, he knows I'm not going to fucking take the piss out of him or whatever but like most judges probably don't know if an, uh, you know if someone comes out and looks for a, an interview off him are, is that person going to take the, the piss out of him like uh, have you built up a trust with him that's like I, no, I, I, th- I think it's going to get better I think it was just there's going to be baby steps over the next while and yeah. slowly and slowly it'll get better but I do think it's uh, I, we talk about judging a lot like it's every it's every single week and people are probably mm. sick of hearing about judging no, and stuff I'm like going to keep bit, yeah. bring, no, I'm no, going to keep fucking thing, we need just chipping away and, and eventually people will get a, a better understanding of it brick by brick I'm, it's, it's me it's just me alone doing this here like, <laughs> there's no one else 
I'm, it's brick by no, brick. No one else in the entire world talking about it. Jeez, I, I love it when people are tweeting me. You're single-handedly changing the, the way people are like, yes. You fucking love that, don't you? I love it. Podcast fucking changing the world. Feed into that ego. Just, Feed into that podcast ego. The, the, um, the judging God, the omnipotent judging God here, looking out over all of them and uh, telling everyone uh, what to do, yeah, what to think. You're, you're only a Ben Cartledge mouthpiece, that's yeah, all I heard. <laughs> A stooge, but that, yeah, that's it. Look, lads, changing the game. Who, who can say? Who can say in media that they're changing the game? Me, that's who can say it. So there you go. I'm. We've, this podcast has gone on for like eighty four okay. hours. It's a fact. Like it's a. You believe that as well? Don't even lie. Don't front. <laughs> No comment. <laughs> <laughs> right. Thanks to everyone for listening. Uh, listen to the True Balls podcast as well. It's actually a men, men just well, the a question Derby preview. Were you about to read the questions or not? Was I? I read That's some questions, true. didn't I? Yeah, yeah here we go. Okay, I'm fucking delirious here. No, go on. We'll, give, uh, we'll give one more. Uh, Trash Panda. Is Costa a more favorable matchup for Izzy than Romero? Uh, yeah, I, I, think uh, he, I think he'll probably pick Costa apart, but... You know, you never know. Costa, yeah, know. he's a good chain, and he'll come out and take take chances and stuff. I mean, but based yeah. on having seen the the Romero fight now, I'd say he's a more difficult matchup because he's actually going to throw some shots at him. Mm. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, <that's> yeah. <laughs> God Almighty! And uh, favorite type of biscuit, Andy. Biscuit? Back in the day, I I loved an old uh, bourbon cream. Oh, stop! I actually had a bourbon um, cream for the first time in about five years there the other day. Oh, they're but then my ma, when I, she started buying the, the shit ones from uh, like Lidl, then oh, after yeah, a while, and I was no, like, oh, this is not just as good. But uh, it's like, uh, remember them uh, iceberg? Hobnob, I would love an old hobnob now. Chocolate hobnob though? Oh, obviously a chocolate. Yeah. Remember them uh, iceburgers, you know, the ice creams that you get? Yeah. Lovely. But then the, the fake ones, they like changed the, yeah. it's not a wafer, but what are they, like the little cake thing? They were fucking rotten. What, what, what's your favourite ice cream? I was a big fan of the Loop Loops. Uh, that's more of a nice pop though isn't it yeah uh, true okay well, fair yeah. <laughs> that's fucking that's high level stuff there you're, 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 oh, actually no uh, a feast feast oh, is great oh, oh. fucking hell heaven. oh do you know what what are they called oh. Oh, no not a bounty what are they called the, the pink one brunch oh yeah brunch is I love a well. fucking brunch oh I fucking love I'd, a brunch I'd be more of a chocolate man but I do love a good brunch yeah I, uh, <sighs> you know an old carnetto with a little bit in the little bit in the bottom of them do you know the, or the uh, a magnum double chocolate oh I don't think I've do ever had one of them caramel. oh, oh they're great yeah those ones with the caramel in the middle is it yeah it's, oh. it's, it's, it's the same as that it was the same actually I think the caramel are probably even better but the chocolate one had chocolate ice cream and then it had like a it was like the, chocolate was ice like cream a, oh yeah it was the, and then it had like the chocolate I don't know paste or whatever it was generally like the caramel bit in the middle between yeah the, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah it was like that but chocolate or, oh yeah, I love good. it I need one again. right oh. I, I, I'm going down the center here do you know what's nice as well those <laughs> Oh, I, I don't no idea what they're called, but they're like little kind of Milky Way wafer bar, bars. They're like round ones with like Milky stuff. Oh, I don't know what they're called. Oh, we had this conversation before. Oh, the, oh, the bars. Yeah, they're, you're talking about the um, the crisp thing. Oh, that's exactly. Yeah, 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 crisp. The two, oh, they're lovely. The two they roundy ones in the crisp, middle. Of them. Yeah, the white chocolate in the middle. Oh, do you know what's underrated <laughs> as well? Macaroon bars. Oh. Macar- here, oh, come here, hang on. No, no, fuck macaroon bars fuck now, you. right? Fuck no, you. Nice no, 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 I love, no, no, hang on, hang on, let me finish. I love macaroon bars. Have you seen the price of macaroon bars lately? No, how much are they? I, went in, I was in Tesco the other day, and I, they had like, um, when I went in, they had like all these like, all the like old sweet sweets that you have like when you're a kid and stuff. So yeah. it's like macro. I used to get macaroon bars and mint crisp bars and all like this like stuff. 10, 10, and like, they'd be like 10 cents. Yeah, yeah. 150 for a macaroon what? bar. What? Yeah, no I was like, ah, come on, lads! Like the boom isn't back that yeah. much. Fuck it, the boom is back though. The boom uh, is fucking back. <laughs> Jesus Christ, the boom is back. The shower about. How much would you pay for a jambon these days? 
Which oh, I, I'd have to ask Owen Colgan there. Yeah, he would. I, actually, I think he's going to be up for Cage Legacy. Is I he? Saw that I think, yeah. Get an um, interview so with him. I'll, I'll ask him. I'll ask him. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, Jambon. That's we, might to, we might have to do something with him. We might, we might. Right, we're getting fucking crazy here. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Really, uh, really appreciate it. Subscribe if you're... It's after getting unbelievably dark inside here. But anyway, subscribe if you're listening on iTunes, if you're listening on SoundCloud or the website or whatever. Go over to your iTunes. Go over to your SoundCloud. Go over to your Podcast Republic. Go over to your Spotify, we're on there as well. Click the subscribe button. Uh, and if you want to sign up, if you appreciated us sitting here for an hour and a half and you want to give us a fiver over the next month, it's like 10 cent a day, sign up patreon.com. Yeah. There'll be loads more stuff coming as well. The lads, Ian O'Neill and Harry Williams and all, and Sean Denny doing loads yeah, of stuff and, stuff and writing articles and stuff. So, Severe MMA is back. And Sean Sheehan building up Irish MMA media brick by brick. Ah, that's a load of baloney. The God. Of Irish MMA. The Irish MMA God. I don't think people Fucking have called me that it. enough. That was the first time I ever made up one for myself, calling myself the Irish MMA God. But How many hours a day do you stand in front of a mirror reciting, <laughs> I am the podcast? Like the fucking like American psycho, just you flexing. You say it three times in the mirror and he appears. <laughs> right. Thanks everyone for listening. All that's, all that's left to do is the inspirational quote of the week. Ask for what you want, but be prepared for what you get. We'll see you next Tuesday. We have a sad motherfucker. Or Sunday or Monday.